starting a new series today. I'm excited about this one. It's going to take us um, through probably Easter, and um, it's, it's called By Faith. And um, it's kind of based around Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we really want to do a deep dive as a church into what faith really actually looks like. And um, I think this chapter is called the faith chapter for a reason, right? And uh, we want to read this together this morning. It's a long chapter, and I'm going to read all of it, so just brace yourselves. But it reads like a sermon, so it's um, so you can follow along um, on the screen if you wish. But uh, just hang in there as I as I read this. It's so full of uh, of really really powerful stuff. So. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place uh, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so, from this one man... And he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things, they, the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God even, could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. 
By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses, his parents, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover in the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God has planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect by faith. By faith. It's by faith that the story in Scripture is moved forward. It's by faith that we see the miraculous come to light. It's by faith that we see the impossible made possible. It's by faith. And this, this, uh, the author of Hebrews, who's unknown, they spend the first 10 chapters making sure we know that Jesus is who he says he is. So if you maybe as homework, go home this week, and I would encourage you, read the entirety of Hebrews. It's such an encouraging book. But you learn about the fullness of who Jesus is, all of his attributes, who he fully was, right? And then right here, the author is, in, is inviting us into this history of believing that God is who he says he is because he's trustworthy because he's good and that is what faith is at its root at its root faith is simply believing God it's not believing in God it's believing God there's a big difference there it's not believing in God it's believing God James chapter 2 
says, right, that you believe there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. So we know that faith is not just believing in God, because the demons all believe in God, right? But they're still demons. So belief in and of itself is not faith. And so we have to get that right. Far too often we talk about my faith, our faith. And I think too often we think of it as our religion, our belief system, right? But again, faith is so much more than what you say you believe, right? And today I want to point out three requirements for belief to really become what faith is meant to be. So, the first thing um, is that faith requires reason. Faith requires reason. And I think far too often we hear things like, oh, it's blind faith. We need to go in and, and just believe, just to believe, just because. In nowhere in Scripture does it say that we need to blindly believe this stuff. Nowhere. It's not a blind faith. Blind faith is insanity. It is. Blind faith, faith without reason, is, is believing in something that doesn't deserve to be believed in. And that is not what we are asked. The Bible never asks us to blindly believe. Even in this chapter, right, in verse 11, it says, Sarah reasoned that God was worthy of her faith in this promise. It wasn't blind faith, was it? She reasoned that God is worthy. He's trustworthy. Because God is who he says he is. And he's never let us down. He had never let Sarah down up to that point. So she reasoned, there's no reason that he would let me down again in the future. It's not blind faith. She reasoned that God was trustworthy in the past and therefore he will be trustworthy in the future. Verse 19, uh, it says, Abraham reasoned that God gave him Isaac. And God promised that Isaac had a great purpose in God's plan. Right? So Abraham, again, he reasoned that, okay, I know that God is asking me to do this insane thing, to sacrifice Isaac, my only son. But God promised me Isaac. God promised me Isaac. And he promised that Isaac had incredible purpose. That through Isaac, right, the Jewish nation would be born. The Hebrew people would become from that line. And without Isaac, that was not going to happen. And so I love that Hebrews puts it this way, and, it say, and, it, and, it, and the author says, you know, Abraham reasoned that, like, even if he did have to go through with it, God can raise the dead. So it would be a horrible thing to have to walk through, certainly. None of us would want to do that. But Abraham's faith was so strong that even if he... Even if God asked him to do that to completion, to sacrifice his son in that moment, he believed so strongly in the promises of God over Isaac that God would just raise him from the dead then. That's faith. That's faith. God is who he says he is or he isn't. That is the core of faith. And he tells us who he is primarily in his word. If you want to reason for yourself who God is, his attributes and his promises, then you have to start in his word. 
Because in his word, he reveals time and time and time again the fullness of who he is. That he is trustworthy. That he is who he says he is. He is God Almighty. He is the creator. He is all things to us. He is every good. That is our Father. That is our God. But if we say that we believe in him, then we have to believe in who he says he is, not who we say he is, not who somebody else says he is, who he says he is. You tracking with me? And again, the primary way that he has revealed himself to mankind is through his word. Is through his word to us. And we are so blessed to live in an era of time where we have the word so readily available. So we have no excuse not to know who our father is. We have no excuse not to know in fullness who he is. So once we have that, once we have reasoned through scripture who God is, then after that point, other people can tell us and we can test that to scripture. So it's okay Right? I don't want you to take my word for it with this stuff. I take this role very seriously because I know how easily I could lead you astray, even unintentionally. I know that when I'm talking about faith, there is a wide spectrum of belief system on how faith works. And so I have to be diligent to be settled in myself to do the research, to read scripture, to know for myself, I believe wholeheartedly that this is what faith is. That this is what God is asking of us. And this is who he is. I have to be confident in that. And I expect you to hold me to the word. Not to myself, not to my denomination, not to anything else, but to the word. So my job is to deliver the word. Deliver how God has revealed himself to us through his word. And I'm asking you, right, as a community, right, we do that together to experience the fullness of God together after that. First, through the word. Secondarily, through the experience of ourselves and others. Sharing those stories, right? It's vital that we do that. And we don't have to look any further. You know, I was thinking about, you know, our our faith and um, I was thinking about the weather, right? And we in Arizona, right, um, how many of you dress warmer than you should just because we were tired of, of summer? <laughs> right? We dress way warmer than we should. And I, I do it. I'm like, I don't care. I'm putting the flannel on. It's 80 degrees out there today, but I'm hanging on. I'm like, and you know why? It's because I know what's coming. Because I know if I hang on long enough, it's going to start cooling off out here. And sometimes, right, sometimes it doesn't when I think it should, right? Sometimes it's like Halloween and it's still 90 and I'm like, come on, like, come on. I'm so tired of the heat. I'm so tired of this. Just let the cool come, right? And so we hang on, we hang on. But I know that it's coming. I know that at some point it's going to come because I have faith, because I've experienced it before, because the weatherman tells me, right? Because I've lived it. We have things like the Farmer's Almanac that tells us how far back, like forever, right? Until they've, since they've begun recording it, we know exactly how seasons work. We know when we should be able to expect certain uh, storm systems and all that kind of stuff. The we-, we have the weather pretty, pretty well in hand. 
we do a pretty good job. We're not perfect at by any means, right? But we, we kind of get how seasons work now. Every single year we can count on by faith that the sun will come, that the snow will melt, that the flowers will bloom, that rain will fall at some point. By faith, we believe those things. And so it should be no different with our faith in our Father. We should be just as sure of his promises as we are that spring will come at the end of winter, that winter will come at the end of fall. We should have that same confidence. Why? Who made the seasons? Who made the seasons? Who made the weather? Why should our faith in anything else be any different than our faith in the weather? You hearing me? Faith is worthy of our reason. We can reason that it is, he is trustworthy, that he is good, that he will follow through on his word. So I just have a quick question. Have you reasoned that God is who he says he is for yourself? I want you to take a moment and really think about that. Have you done the work for yourself? Have you personally reasoned that God is who he says he is? I hope you don't simply rely on me or somebody else in your life. I hope that what I say shores up your belief, shores up your confidence that God is who he says he is. But we each must do it ourselves. Have you reasoned for yourself that God is who he says he is? Okay, next, faith requires a response. It's one thing to reason that God is who he says he is, but then we have to respond. Going back to the weather thing, right? If I just um, wore warm clothes all year long and just ignored everything going around on around me and the, and the season changes and I just like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, or I don't believe in summer, right? Like, I could do that. I could do that. But I have, to, I have to change. I have to do things to respond to changes in life, to changes in weather, right, even. I should be responding to those things. If I know the rain season is coming, then I should respond by making sure that my car's tires are, are doing okay, making sure that the windshield wipers are working. I should do those things. Because my reasoning, knowing what's coming, requires a response. If I ignore that, then it could mean danger then I could be intentionally putting myself and my family in danger by ignoring that. So what I have reasoned requires a response. So my reasoning that God is who he says he is, that has to come, that has to turn into a response in my life. You know, the Bible would be pretty, pretty thin if nobody responded to their faith. We wouldn't have what I just read at all. All those would be, and... Uh, Abraham believed, but he didn't actually do anything about it. So Isaac was never born, and it would just, that would be all it was. Abraham, a very short story, everything pretty much else after that would not be there. 
Faith requires a response. Noah would have drowned. Noah and his family would have drowned. Abraham and Sarah, right, never would have had any children. Moses would never have spoken to Pharaoh. He would have never seen the Red Sea part. He would have never seen God's provision of manna in the desert, right? He would have never seen the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. He would have never seen those things. If he didn't respond to his reasoning that God was trustworthy, if he didn't say yes, if he didn't do what God was asking of him, he would have never seen those things. The Bible would be a pretty, pretty sad book, to be honest. But by faith, we have this incredible, incredible scripture filled with stories of people responding, of people responding to God and his promises, of people responding to his call on their life, to saying yes to him. Um, you know, when I talk to people about um, coming to Jesus, sometimes I get an answer of, uh, you know, I just don't feel like I'm ready yet. And um, that's common and that's okay. You know, like they haven't reasoned for themselves that this is something that they want to do yet. But I, I will ask a question sometimes and I'll say, okay, if, if you were going on a trip to Yosemite and you've never been to Yosemite before, like, what would you do? Well, you know, I'd probably uh, talk to some people about like that I knew had, that had been there get their experience on it. I might even like pick up a map or like watch some videos on YouTube just to see like what it's like or maybe even read a guidebook or something like that, right? We would do all those things. But at some point, you have to step foot in Yosemite. Otherwise, what's the point? And the moment you step foot in Yosemite, it's now your experience. It's not somebody else's experience anymore. It's now your experience. Yosemite would look complete. It didn't matter what anybody else said because whatever path you take, nobody else that you talked to would have taken that exact same path in that exact same weather, in the exact same time of day, with the exact same people. Your experience, no matter who you are, would be completely and totally unique. But you can trust that Yosemite's there. You can trust that there's really cool stuff there that is worth visiting, that it's a good place. You can trust those things. Right? You can reason that Yosemite would be a neat place to go visit someday. But even if you say no to going to Yosemite, that requires a response, doesn't it? That would be really cool to see, but meh, I'll probably never do that. It's, you know, I was thinking about how to illustrate this a bit, and um, I have this chair up here, right? So I'm the only one standing in a room full of people sitting down. Okay, just, just imagine if I didn't know how to sit down. Imagine if I didn't know what a chair was and I see you guys sitting down. It's a little bit dark in here, so maybe it's just like, I guess they're sitting, they're doing something. It doesn't really make sense to me what they're doing with their body posture. I know it's not standing, but it's something, right? And say I was curious and say I said, uh, okay, so I would like to, to try that. I'd, I'd be curious how to try that. But I don't see a chair in front of me. I, I think there's something behind me. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm putting my trust in you guys here. 
I'm going to back up and I'm going to ask you to guide me into this chair. I've had two back surgeries, and so if you screw this up for me, <laughs> I'm sending you all the bill, okay? All right, but I'm trusting you here. So I want you to guide me into this chair. What am I supposed to do? Tell me. Three, four, five. Okay, now what? Huh? A little bit more this way? Okay. I, I can sit. Are you asking me to sit down now? Okay. Okay. Sit down. Hey. Hey. So, I know that's maybe a, a silly thing, right? But the reality is that, like, that is what our faith is to other people. Our faith becomes real when we start trusting God. When we set foot in Yosemite, it's different than when we just research the outside of it. When we walk hand in hand in our journey with God, when Jesus takes us along, when he's leading us and guiding us through different trails, through different paths, through horrendous, difficult valleys and over really hard mountains, right? We know that we can trust God through those things, but from somebody who's never put their trust in him, it's this terrifying thought. They don't know what that's like. They don't understand what it is to put your full faith in the chair that you're sitting in. You're trusting that chair to hold you up, to keep you from falling, to cushion you, to comfort you when you're tired. Something that you can always rely on. And when you're trying to tell somebody who has never sat down before, who doesn't even know what a chair is, it's a, it's a hard prospect for them. And so, we have got to be so careful in how we lead in others into their faith. We've got to be so careful that we aren't leading them astray. That we aren't saying the chair is somewhere way over there when God's placed it right here. I had to put my faith in you guys. I knew that you weren't going to let me down there. But what if you did? I would never trust a chair again. I'd never try to, try to sit down. I would have injured myself. It would have been a bad day. And I would have just completely ignored, right, anybody who ever tried to tell me to sit down again. We have to be careful, don't we? We have to be so careful that we show others that the chair is trustworthy, that the chair is good, that God is good, that he is trustworthy, that he holds us up, that he comforts us in difficulty, that life doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy, right? But we know that we are supported and guided and that he is with us in the midst of those difficulties. Amen? So my, my next question for you is that the chair requires a response from us too. Are you circling the chair or have you sat? Are you kind of on the edge of the chair? Do you really trust God? Have you given him a piece of your trust? But do you not trust him to fully settle in? Maybe somebody's shaken the chair. Maybe somebody has shaken your faith. 
doesn't mean that God is untrustworthy. It means that people are. But God is worth putting our trust, putting our whole selves into. And I would just ask that before we move on, that you gauge for yourself, how in are you? Does he have your full trust? Only you can answer that. Lastly, faith requires reproduction. You know, Hebrews 11, this incredible chapter, right? It's encouraging us to live by faith, to live by faith. It exists to share stories with God so that others can have their own story with him. Requires reproduction. If we who live by faith don't tell another soul in our lives about the faith that we cling to with everything that we have, do we really believe it as much as we say we do? Because this faith should mean everything. It should mean everything to us. Amen? This faith that we put our... This God that we believe in, this God that we put everything into and that we say, you're worthy of all of my praise, you're worthy of all of myself, I surrender all things to you, I trust that you're good, I trust that you will hold me, I trust in your promises for me, and I will live in the confidence of those promises. If we say that, but if we never mention that to another soul, if we never invite somebody else into that same place, then do we really believe that God is who he says he is? Others have done that for you, amen? Because their faith wasn't something that could be contained inside them. And we, we harp on this and I get that it becomes white noise. I, I totally get that, that it becomes white noise. But our mission statement, we believe in. We have to. That we exist to share our stories with Christ so that others can have their own story with him. It's because this faith is meant to be shared. It's meant to invite others into. We are called to be witnesses of who God is, that he's worthy to put our trust in. When you heard Hebrews 11 this morning, I'm not asking you to lie or make anything up, but did, you, did it stir anything in you? Anything? When I read that this morning, did anything stir in you of like a, Wow, like, it's crazy. By faith, by faith. And faith is, is far too large of a topic to be able to really unpack in this one sermon, guys. There is so much to it. And so we're going to be exploring this over the next several months. What it really means to walk by faith, to live by faith, to breathe every breath by faith that every action that we take, every thought is held captive in us by our faith and is released by our faith. We take steps by faith. We rest by faith. Everything, everything is meant to be done by faith if we are called, if, if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, then we are called to live our lives by faith.
to show others this faith that we cling to, that God is who he says he is. You know, I think um, about legacy with this as well. You know, God requires, or our faith requires a response. And the way we carry our faith is our legacy. It's what follows after us. And again, this hall of faith that we're reading, the faith chapter, right? Every single one of those people has been dead for a really long time. But we remember them and they are associated with faith. I love the one line that says that Abel still speaks even though he's dead. He still speaks. His faith still speaks to us and screams, put your faith in God. Put your faith in the Almighty. It screams out to us from the grave. Put your faith. Put your faith in the Father. So, I just want to go over these one more time, right? Our reason, faith by reason, faith must come through response, right? And faith, faith must come through reproducing our faith in others, seeing it reproduced in others. And so I would just ask right now that um, where are you in that equation, right? Where are you in those steps? Are you still in the reasoning phase? And I, wanna, I want you to know it's okay, whatever you're in. Are you still in the reasoning phase? Are you still reasoning through whether God really is who he says he is or not? Or maybe you've settled that, but maybe now you're having a hard time putting that to action and responding to that belief that God is who he says he is and putting all things in your life, your family, your finances, your health, all things in the hands of God. Maybe you're struggling in that area, and that's okay. Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you, you've figured out the reason part. Maybe you've figured out, for the most part, that you have done what you can to personally respond. But I need you to know that God is also asking you, right, to reproduce that. So where are you at in your reproducing of your faith? Are you seeing it reproduced in your family? Your kids, siblings, parents? Whoever is in your family, and your friends, co-workers, are you seeing it reproduced or are you hiding it? Would you just bow your heads with me and let's just let the Holy Spirit minister to us in these things today. Holy Spirit, we're just so grateful. We're so grateful that you are worthy of our faith. We know that you're here. There's no question there. We don't have to wonder if you're here. You are here. You are in each and every. You are leading us. You are guiding us. And we're so grateful that you don't give up on us. Holy Spirit, in this moment, we want to give our reason to you. We want to say that you are worthy of our reason. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our full belief. 
You are worthy of our faith. So if today you're feeling that you need to make a stand in your reasoning, that you're, you today you want to say, no, I am going to give 100% of my faith to God and I'm going to stand here and choose today and say that God is who he says he is. If that's you today, if you know that that is something that the Holy Spirit is asking you to respond to, would you stand right now? And today, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're worthy of a response. That we want to put our full faith in you and we want to hand over every single thing to you. Ourselves, our futures, our families, our finances, our health, every single thing. God, that's what you're asking of us today and, that, and you are worthy of that response. You're worthy of us saying that we surrender all things to you. So if today you, you know that the Holy Spirit is asking you to surrender one more piece or maybe all of it to him today, and you want to make that response, would you stand in faith? Would you stand? And lastly, Holy Spirit, people are desperate. They're desperate to know you and they're desperate to know what we have. We know that you have called us and equipped us to share our faith with others not our, just our belief system, but to share our confidence with others so that they might become confident in who you are as well, so that they can surrender their lives and know who you are in fullness. Help us be bold, Holy Spirit. Bring to mind the people right now that you're asking us to reproduce our faith into whether it's our families, our friends, co-workers, neighbors. But if right now you want to make that stand and you want to tell the Holy Spirit, yes, I will reproduce my faith. I know you're asking that of me and I will reproduce my faith. I will do that work. I will seek opportunities to tell others about who you are. If that's, who, if that's the decision that you know you want to make today, would you stand? stand. Father, we know that you see these responses and you look at them as beautiful. You look at them as beautiful, Father. God, we just ask that we don't make these decisions in vain, that we don't make these responses to you this morning in vain, and that we don't leave here forgetting what we've done and forgetting what, we, what decisions we've made. So Holy Spirit, we ask for opportunities to exercise those things the moment even we walk out this door. And I know what that means. I know that that means that there's going to be moments that we're going to have to choose. Are we going to trust you or are we going to try to control something ourselves? Are we going to let fear guide us or are we going to, are we going to surrender things? Are we going to say that, God, no, you are above this. You are above all things. I'm not concerned about what this world is telling me. I'm not concerned about what might be. I'm, I, I want to concern myself with who you are. 
and who you say I am and who you say I'm going to be. So God, we know that we're going to be met with opportunities to exercise our faith. The rain will come. The floods will rise. By faith, God, I just pray that each of us would respond to what you've asked us to put our faith in you so that we don't drown. We are held above the water because of you. God, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are. Grateful that we can put our trust, our faith, ourselves in you. We love you.